0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Closet Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest. We have Nate Bozulik. You guys might know him from Vampire Diaries and The Originals. My daughter is obsessed with him, but I know him from all of his activism work on Instagram. He's got over 4 million followers combined. He is an incredible activist, very spiritual guy. I think you're gonna find this conversation incredibly meaningful. And without further ado, here is Nate. Nate, it's so fantastic to finally meet you. I know we've been um, Insta Buddies uh, for a little while. You guys, Nate actually sent my daughter, who's a big fan of Vampire Diaries and the originals, a happy birthday uh, video on Instagram. And she was like squealing. So she was so happy. Um, It was so funny because I started following Nate because of all your activism. I actually didn't know who the heck you were. I was like, wow, this guy has a lot of followers.
1: Yeah.
0: I was talking to my daughter she's like mom do you know who that is and I was like no um but you know she's obsessed so I'm obsessed just because of what you do and what you believe in and who you are um but yeah I'm really honored to have you on the closet podcast and I just wanted to sort of um, start off with, you know, you're in Australia, but you're Croatian. And the reason why I knew is because one of my closest friends in college had the, you know, I see ending. So how did your family end up in Australia?
1: Yeah, so it's an interesting little story. Um, I'm actually a first generation Australian. Uh, My Mm -hmm. mom was a refugee to Australia. Uh, She was actually born in Egypt. Um, oh. so, so, after the Second World War, um a lot of Croatians who became victims of you know, communism sweeping through Eastern Europe uh, were forced to f- to flee. And my grandmother, um her her husband was tragically killed uh, on the island of Hvar, yeah. um and yeah. they basically gave her an ultimatum. If you don't leave uh, tomorrow, you'll also be killed. Uh, so she wow. fled uh, and then it ended up in Italy, and then they moved them to uh, basically camps like refugee camps in Egypt. And that's where my mum was born. So, um, it's quite, it's quite bizarre just because if you look at me, you wouldn't expect me to be, uh, someone who has, you know, any sort of relationship with the Middle East. Um, but my mum was born in Egypt and then she, uh, she and my grandma got on a boat, uh, to Australia. They had a choice to go to America or Australia. Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of Croatians, uh, you know, went to, or, or, or Canada, a lot of Croatians went to Canada, a lot of Croatians went to America and then some came to Australia. So that's where, uh, that's where my mum ended up here. Um, so, And it's an interesting thing in Australia, you know, because when you live in Australia, people ask you where you're from and you'll say, oh, I'm Croatian, I'm Italian, you know, I'm Greek, uh, I'm Lebanese. Um, And then when you travel abroad, people say, where are you from? You say, I'm Australian. But um, there's just such a, a, you know, uh, so many different cultures in Australia. So that's kind of like how I became an Australian because my mum was a refugee but there's a connection with Egypt which I always kind of find interesting because you know um, Israel as a nation has such a relationship with Egypt and God bringing you know the nation of Israel um, out of Egypt and back into their promise so I feel like uh, blessed that I have that sort of uh, in some ways a relationship with that sort of story
0: no you do and have you been back to Egypt
1: i've never been to egypt no i think if i went to egypt i actually wouldn't be very popular um just you know based on um you know my support of israel and also just being a very very outspoken christian um yeah. i feel like uh egypt would be uh, an interesting place for me there's a lot of persecution uh for the christian community in egypt and you know uh that's something that i've sort of spoken out about a lot so i don't know if i'd be terribly popular i'd have to go under under the radar i i is- know
0: Be surprised. My um dermatologist in my office is actually Coptic. So she goes back all the time to Egypt. Um, she actually went to the church that her family like attended. It's basically in this in a region where, you know, that Christian area where all the churches are is basically like a slum at this point. But some guy came out of the building and was showing her where her family lived, and you know, so I'm aware of the persecution, but she goes all the time and has a great time. And I'm actually going to Egypt in May.
1: Wow. So, and
0: I, and I went once when I was 13. Um, but yes, I think it's better now. So you should definitely go. Um, I've never been to Australia. So I need to do that. <laughs> no,
1: it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be summer right now. And it's been raining pretty much nonstop. So I don't know where yeah. the theory of global warming is coming from, but it's not happening here. Um. It's quite you know, it was raining
0: like crazy here too. Uh, we actually were out of power and I was able to get my Wi-Fi back about 20 minutes ago. So I'm especially grateful to be able to speak yeah. to you. Yeah, um, amazing. So what would you say, you know, your parents were like, do you think you sort of had that immigrant mentality from them or is it sort of like you know work hard because i know you know i should tell us in australia what is it like you know being such a melting pot is it sort of like it is in america where it's like succeed succeed fame work hard kill yourself or is it more chill
1: yeah well i think the the big reality that um i've been exposed to being like a, a son of um a refugee is that it's a generational thing that takes a long time to break out of and, you know, my mom was really, really unfortunate when she came to Australia with my grandmother. You know, my grandmother was really, really well educated in Croatia. She had a, you know, a really great job. And um, and then coming to Australia, she just had to work as um, like a, a cleaner of houses. She just had to clean houses. Mm-hmm. She, You know, she had to start from, from the ground up. And because of that, my mom would, you know, be transferred from school to school. My mom and my grandmother would actually just often live in people's garages or, you know, Um, just moved around a lot and lived a very, very sort of poor life. Um, And so, you know, how do you break out of poverty? And how do you break out of, you know, uh, this this sort of refugee, you know, some people get very lucky, some refugees kind of, land in a country, um, and they just find an opportunity that sort of propels them, but they still have to work extremely hard. And then it's their children that sort of benefit from, you know, the sacrifice that they had to make or the things that they missed out on. So unfortunately, for my mom, it was difficult. And my dad left when I was two years old. So um, I have a brother, Um, my dad uh, is actually from he has German descent. Um, And he decided he didn't want to be involved in our lives. So I grew up just with my mom. So from the age of two, my dad left and it was just me, my mum, and my brother, um, which obviously made it even more difficult because my mum was already on the back foot, um, you know, and she, you know, worked hard, but she could just never break out of that sort of cycle of, you know, sort of a low income family, especially being a single single mother. So from the age of 12, I started working uh, and my very, very first job was actually in a video store, Blockbuster, I, you know, people will have to explain to people, you might be listening to this, what a video store is or what Blockbuster is. Um, because, you know, technology has advanced so much. But my first ever job was, I was 12 years old. Every day after school, I'd have to get on the bus and um, I'd have to go. And my, my my sole purpose at this job, because I was working um, just cash in hand under the table, whoops, better not tell the Australian government that, but I was 12 years old, so I wasn't legally allowed to be working anyway, um, was just wiping the shelves of dust. And so my first job was to move the videos on one side, wipe the dust off, move them to the other side, wipe the dust off, and I would go through the entire store uh over like a two-week period and then I'd have to start all over again because Mm -hmm. the dust would just build up you know after two weeks so I had this continual cycle of just cleaning all the time um and so as a kid as a 12 year old kid I I remember you know going to school and my friends had you know the dads in their lives and I just had my mom and we were really poor and I was paying bills at you know 12 13 14 15 always had a job paying bills and my friends were getting pocket money Mm. so for a long time I had a you know it was I had a chip on my shoulder because it was like life's not fair. It's right. not fair. You get born into this situation where you have to slave away and work and work and work, mm-hmm. and you know you're just you're you're already at a disadvantage just straight from the get go. Um, but you know the interesting thing about that is I fell in love with acting because I used to work in this video shop, and so mm-hmm. my manager would say okay you know you're a 12 year old kid working you can pick whatever movie you want to watch because you're going to be working for the next you know three four hours just cleaning shelves and it was just boring so I could just you know Mm -hmm. watch the tv so I started watching Leonardo DiCaprio movies because I felt like there was just, you know, I, I looked up to him and there was a movie called this boy's life, which I felt like mm-hmm. I had so much in common with, with what I was actually going through at the time. So I, I really got obsessed with DiCaprio. So I just watched movies with DiCaprio all the time, just kept watching, you know, uh, Romeo and Juliet or this boy's life or, you know, what's Eating Gilbert Grape. And I just, that's where mm-hmm. I fell in love with acting. And mm. and it actually became a, you know, when I got to 16, I, I, I saw that there was an opportunity because I was so passionate about storytelling and acting that I started doing acting and I I started getting commercials and I saw it as a a means to get out of poverty. You know, I thought this is the way out. This is the solution to get out of this situation to break this, you know, this cycle of, you know, of what, what I'm living in with my mom and make a better life for her, make a better life for me, make a better life for my brother. So I started sort of doing, um, you know, acting things in school, I I auditioned for the Australian theatre for young people, ended up getting a scholarship and and doing, you know, uh, a three year course with the Australian theatre, and then got an agent and started doing commercials and started making money. I was like, this is the way out. So which is kind of a strange thing, because at the same time, coming from a place of having nothing, I quickly realised that the world's not going to give you anything if you don't work for it. You know, Uh, no one's going to come to me and knock on the door and say, hey, here you go. Yeah. Here's the life you've always dreamed of. So, you know, looking back now, what I hated as a kid growing up poor actually gave me so many lessons, so many principles and opened the door for me to, you know, really come into what I was going to do for a large part of my life, you know, working on this TV show and, um, you know, acting is one of the most difficult businesses, um, purely because it's rejection based, you know, mm-hmm. you, you audition a lot, you get, you know, you get rejected a lot, you get no more than more than yes. And so you have to develop a very, very thick skin to just go, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. And you have to have a belief in yourself and realize that you're on your own. So I moved out to the States when I was 24. Mm-hmm. No money to my name. I just said, I'm going to make it as an actor. And people used to laugh at me. Even in the, you know, the I used to work in a restaurant and you know, I told people I'm going to be an actor one day and people would kind of giggle and be like, oh, well, that's a really lovely, sweet dream you have. You know, um, no one really believed that I could do it. Uh, so I moved to the States at 24 yeah. and um, I had about three thousand dollars in the bank account. I would sleep on people's couches. I would I bought a bike from Target. I would ride my bike to you know auditions. I was lucky enough to get an agent. And, um, and I did it pretty, pretty hard. Um, but then at the back end of that in 2011, at the end of 2011, I was about to give up everything, uh, mm-hmm. quit the acting, the acting dream. Um, and then I got an offer for vampire diaries and originals, which was, you know, ultimately going to be the show that would, you know, bring a lot of attention to, um, you know, myself and, you know, my brand and everything that I'm sort of doing now, um, but it was a, it was it was really at the point the 11th hour where I was about to quit because I was 27 at that point you know I went went at 20 you know I think the first time to the states at 23 and you know really tried so hard got close to a lot of jobs missed out on a lot of jobs and was about to give up and then kind of God just sort of left an opportunity in my hand and said this is you know what you're going to do um so which which was interesting. Yeah, no, it was,
0: yeah, was really interesting because, you know, when I, I remember I was at a Shabbat dinner in college um, and my aunt, because I was in school in New York, my mom had passed away. So, you know, my aunts were kind of like, you know, my surrogate mother. So they took me to Shabbat dinner at this woman's house and all the women were sitting there. She's like, you know, this is my niece, Sheila, she's going to become a plastic surgeon. And they were all like, yeah, yeah, good for you. <laughs> and like one woman even said, why would you be a surgeon when as soon as you have children, you're going to have to quit? So, I mean, it's just funny that, you know, you have to kind of believe in yourself when nobody else is believing in you. Um, But my question for you was, as an immigrant mom, what did your mom think about your career choice? I mean, for me, as a Persian immigrant, there were five jobs. And I tell you, I did not know this many jobs existed until I actually started seeing patients. And they're like, I do set design. And like, I do. I don't know, OT or like whatever it is. We had five options. Like that was how you got out of poverty for a person right. is you could be a doctor, a lawyer, right. an accountant, a pharmacist, and an engineer. That was it. Those are the only five yeah. jobs.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that the only five jobs that they want to tell their their family and friends also that their children are doing, yeah. that, I guess. You know, yeah. Because yeah. Again, that 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 immigrant mentality is you're constantly trying to prove to the world that you belong in the society that you're in, I guess, you know, Um, it was hard for my mom, you know, Um, she she always has supported me, but I think she was like, what if what if it doesn't work out? Mm -hmm. what if you know what if you don't get uh you know and it's not an easy business even to this day you know like it's like it's probably the you know you're lucky in the sense as a plastic surgeon once you've got to the plastic surgeon status and you've established yourself in that industry you're you're good but Mm -hmm. it's not the same as an actor you could be established and all of a sudden everyone's like yeah no we don't really like him anymore um we're moving on and there's something new and but you know she so she wanted me to get a degree so I actually while I was kind of when I finished high school, I actually went to university and did a marketing degree, um, which I hated, I hated every minute of it. I did it just for my mom. I literally just paid off my university debt recently only because I forgot about it for like 10 years. And then I came back to Australia. and I was like, oh, that thing better pay that off um, because the interest had incurred so much. But, you know. I guess it was a thing that she was worried and she was worried that it wasn't going to be a a feasible future. But in saying that, you know, everything that's come from, from acting has blessed my mom. I've been able to take her on, you know, trips and, 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 you know, change her life for the better. You know, I've been supporting her since I was 12. I still pay for everything to this day, you know? Um, So, but, but, you know, for me personally, you know, because I've become such a person of faith, I, I really just see it as God's blessing, you know, and as much as I love acting and as much as it has been my, my career for, you know, the last 12 years, I've realized it's, it just, it's nothing in comparison to my relationship with God and anything I get from the industry or anything I get from life is a blessing from him and whatever direction he kind of wants to lead me in. It's, it's more for his purpose than for my own life And so that's kind of the place that I'm at in my life right now, because when I got Vampire Diaries, I thought it was all about me. Yes, I finally made it. I finally got this Mm -hmm. dream. I finally proved every single person wrong that said you're never going to make it in Hollywood. You know, you get close, but you always seem to fall short. It Just forget about it. Give it up. Um, And so when I actually got Vampire Diaries, it was a bittersweet moment. And maybe you can relate to this because I'm sure like, you know, if you've had a dream where you were like, I'm going to be a plastic surgeon and I'm going to do it and I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And I'm going to make a life for myself. And when you get it, you realize, Oh, this is not as satisfying as I thought, or it's not as satisfying. It's, as, not, it's
0: not enough. I need more. It's not enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you realize there's just another thing and there's just another, you know, probably for you, another seminar or another thing you have to learn or another. And, it, and then it just becomes a cycle of life and it actually doesn't, Feel and satisfy something deep inside of me which gives me a sense of value belonging and purpose far greater than you know an income and so what was interesting when I got Vampire Diaries that's actually when I became a Christian um you know I was I, I was going
0: sh- to take me on that journey yeah let's talk about yeah that.
1: so we, we we shoot in Atlanta and um you know this was my biggest, like I had worked so hard and I knew what this this job was going to do and open up so many doors. But like I said, there was an emptiness to it because I just realized there was always going to be another hurdle and there was always going to be another challenge, and it just didn't satisfy me like I, I I would have hoped. So when I was in Atlanta, you know, um a friend of mine had reached out to me, uh, kind of asking what had been going on. I was on Facebook and and I told him I was in Atlanta, I got this job, this dream job. And 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 three years earlier, he he was a Christian and I actually used to hate Christianity. I Not that I hated Christianity, I just didn't like what Christians would tell me about God or, you know, I just wasn't interested in God. I was interested in myself, my career and, you know, getting out of poverty. Um, and so God just wasn't like a sort of an important um, talking point for me or even something I should consider because I had other things to worry about um but this friend of mine who was you know a really really devout christian who i was friends with when he found out that i was in atlanta he he pushed me to go to a church um and under duress i said okay yeah i'll go i'll just you know i'll go one time and so i went to this this church in atlanta and i heard a guy speak about jesus in a very very different way than i'd ever heard before they kind of really challenged me and and ultimately at the end of the message he said look if if God's not going to be the number one thing in your life. And, you know, for us as Christians, we believe that Jesus is really the thing that satisfies us. The thing that kind of answers a lot of the unspoken questions and drives us into a purpose far beyond ourselves into something far greater than God's doing. um, You're always going to feel empty. And so it was the exact message that I needed to hear after thinking that I would have everything I wanted in that moment. So that night, I actually became a Christian just in my hotel room quietly in Atlanta. And I said, okay, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to give this a try. If this guy claims that this jesus figure is everything um that he claims him to be then i should have a different feeling tomorrow morning when i wake up so i started this journey as a christian um and i didn't realize what i was kind of signing up to in a lot of ways you know because uh you know the bible is an extremely complicated text you, you can't just open it and just go okay read it once and then give me the five give me the five principles you know give me the gt 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 chat five you know bullet points and i'll i'll move on and i realized it was it was much more complicated but at the same time i was starting to read you know the torah the tanakh and i was looking at the principles that were being presented and i couldn't argue with them at the same time there was a there was a universal truth to what this book was saying not only about god but also about humanity about me about my own struggles about my own you know brokenness And it was answering questions that I'd never really had answered before. So in one way or another, it it really kind of just fueled me to want to become more devout in understanding who God is. And I think that is kind of like the ultimate task. I mean, even when you look at King David um, throughout the Psalms, you saw that he had such a desire to know God to be with God, to be obedient to God, to to follow God despite what everybody else around him was doing, despite what everybody else around him was saying, despite who was considered the most powerful or prominent in the kingdom of Israel, his desire, his focus was always on seeking the face of God. In Psalm 27, he says his heart cries out to seek the face of God. Mm. And and that was his pursuit. And then, you know, you, you read about figures throughout the Old Testament, even with Moses, such a profound and interesting figure in judaism but Mm -hmm. but you know the torah tells us that he had a face-to-face relationship with god like no other Mm -hmm. you know and and his life would you would put moses's life as an easy one you wouldn't put it as you know a carefree one or you know necessarily even a blessed one he missed out on the ultimate promise that god said hey i'm gonna bring you into the land. yeah yeah was relationship with god Mm -hmm. you know and so Vampire Diaries, what I thought was all about me and about my career, actually became a way where God said, no, I'm actually going to show you something bigger. I'm going to bring you into something far more meaningful, um, which is going to lead you into a relationship with me, which is kind of the thing that's been going on for the last 10 years of my life.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I think I, you know, I have a similar um, kind of progression in that you know, I, I kind of knew that there was a greater purpose. And when people, you know, reject God, I, I always think, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard to have God in your life, right? Because you're held accountable. And this day and age, like I can tell you from just my office staff, when I hold them accountable, they don't like it, right? Not- when you say, you know, someone's, you know, you, know you, you have a greater purpose other than yourself, that's difficult. That's a lot of responsibility, but it brings purpose to life and it makes it more meaningful having children, it's hard, but it brings meaning and purpose to life. So I think that what I I see a lot of the younger generation of people, they try to take the easy path. Yeah, not having any morals, not believing in God. Is life easier? Yeah, but you're going to be depressed. You're not going to be happy. You're going to lack purpose. And I'm not saying this is for everyone, but I just see it as a trend. You know, Like Harvard University, their chaplain doesn't believe in God. Okay, so why call him a chaplain? (laughs) Call him a counselor, you know, but, and they're like, Oh, I think this just relates to our student body more. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's not a, I don't think that's a step in the right direction. And I always tell people, okay, let's say you don't know if God exists, you know, you don't know, why don't you just live as if he does yeah Live it, you know hold hold yourself to that higher standard and a meaning beyond yourself whether that's in your service to others or meditation which is really prayer yeah. or you know like people are like i need to get unplugged i'm going to buy a membership to unplug well that's the sabbath
1: right like, yeah
0: for a minute <laughs> yeah. the, the, the so principle like of all god. Those things that people are like reinventing in a realm without god yeah it has yeah. existed in the realm of god and people have figured this out for thousands of years so for me it was i think it was like having kids i think it was a lot of the anti-semitism happening mm. um you know our escape from iran similar to your family's escape you know from croatia yeah. um all of those things just those are my roots and those ground me and I'm so grateful for that. So as, as, as far as I fly and as high as I reach, I know I have those deep roots. I know that I'm grounded. And that's what helps me get that tough skin you were talking about. When yeah. people throw, you know, insults at me or threats at me or whatever, I know whose opinion I care about. I know that I'm grounded. And um, you can't shake my tree because I have those deep roots.
1: Well, yeah, so, that's, exactly, that's exactly what some, you know, someone talks about, you know, like, you're, you know, those who are going to plant themselves by a stream, you know, and they're, and they're actually going to anchor themselves to this living water that God talks about, you know, who's going to be their provision, you know, their comfort, their refuge, their strength. You know, it it, it is an interesting thing when you look at um, how the world is today and, and especially young people, you know, they have been trapped and they have been lied to and they have been taken uh, by, you know, false shepherds who are pretending to guide them on their on their path but they're really just exploiting them and 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 you know the proof is in the pudding where you go okay well we're becoming less focused on christian judea values in america and yet depression is skyrocketing so explain that to me if everybody if the pursuit of happiness is the answer to all our problems then why is this pursuit of happiness always ending in a you know a, a state of depression for a young generation of people and and it is it's you know once we step away from the boundaries and the principles that God uh, institutes for our own good um, we see chaos again and that's why I think you know an understanding of the Torah and Tanakh for any person is one of the most valuable exercises you can do throughout your entire life because you will you're not going to avoid the chaos of this world because this world is being ruled by wicked men, but you're going to understand it on a different level, you know, and then you're going to be able to apply the principles of God to your own life to avoid what is happening around you in a lot of ways. And it's like, you know, the Sabbath is such such an important principle, which is so simple, right? Rest, rest. But but what what is God really presenting in that? Is he saying, I know you better than you know yourself. And I know that if you just work, 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 and do do, do, do do, 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 you're going to get to a point of complete failure, and it's actually going to do no one any good. And so you know, I was I wasn't exposed to Judaism uh, in any shape or form growing up. I actually grew up in a very uh, Muslim community in Australia. Uh, I'm surrounded by Islam. Um, so my um, my 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 lens of Israel and Judaism, from a youth, but with all my friends being, you know, Muslim, Lebanese, you know, Syrian. I had a very, very uh, different view of Israel because everyone's like, oh, no, they're the enemy, they're the oppressors, they're the bad guys. I, and I never met a Jewish person because all the Jewish people um, in Sydney live in one little area. They're okay. very, very closed off, um, you know, for a lot of reason. I, now, now looking back and, and, and knowing everything that I've learned about, you know, the world and their hatred towards Israel, I understand why they're closed off as a community. back then i was like oh like who do they think they are like you know and obviously growing up in a very low low social economic area and the jewish people in sydney living in a very well-to-do area there was already like oh yeah it's true like you know they all just they all just they're all just rich and they all just live really good lives um but i but now going oh no they they support each other as a community and they and god blesses them because they follow the principles that he instituted and this is exactly the promises that he made in the final book of the torah you know if you do what i tell you to do i will bless you but on the back end of that he goes if you don't do what i tell you to do there's curses you know so it's like a double-edged sword for israel um and for for the jewish people because they are in a very very unique covenant with god he says if you follow what i say you will be blessed but if you don't follow what I say, you'll be cursed. But also the fact that when you do get blessed, because we live in a wicked world, people go, oh, well, that's not fair. Why are they so blessed? You know, why are they, you know, why do they live in, you know, the Eastern suburbs and I live in the Western suburbs. So my perspective of Israel was actually quite broken until I met Jewish people. You know, I, I my girlfriend's Jewish, you know, um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and I've been really blessed, you know, I, I just, I have such a heart for, for the Jewish people. Um <laughs> and you know it's so often the problem of thinking is sometimes we think chosen as privileged right and and do you, how many children do you have I have three okay you have three so the the eldest child you would probably give the greatest responsibility to correct Uh, you know
0: yeah unfortunately that's that ends up uh being what happens and actually judaism it says you should give your firstborn double the inheritance because you made all the mistakes on them yeah yeah they
1: get they they get they get they get all the mistakes they get all the responsibility they have to be you know the one that does well the one that looks after their younger siblings Mm -hmm. so we often think oh well they were first they should be the chosen one they the, the blessed one and so even thinking about that principle of god they get the double portion why yeah they have the greater responsibility not because they're first it's not a competition of who was first hey yes you're the winner you get more you get more because you have a greater responsibility and so the challenge for jewish people is to break away from that thing going oh we're just the chosen people so we're good because that's not torah god's like hey no you've got the bigger task You have to be a light to the nations. You have to be the one that preserves the laws of God. When everybody else around you is doing wrong, you can't be like them. You have to be the people set apart, the people who are holy, you know, the people who are so different to the world that when the brokenness of the world starts looking for the truth and the answers, they actually have somewhere to see and look. And Hmm. so Israel has such a responsibility, which is exactly why God says, if you Do what I tell you to do, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you'll be cursed and the the punishment will come because you are going to be my representative that go that goes out into the world. So when people go, Oh, well, I I work too hard and I do too much and I have no time for my family. And then a Jewish person will will rest on Friday. Stop. Stop everything you're doing and rest. And like, okay, well, I'll give it a try. Lady, you know. Shalom, that that principle you gave me about resting really, really worked. So you have this great responsibility from God. And so, you know, often people look at the Jewish people like, oh, they're so lucky that, you know, they have all this stuff with God. And you're like, well, no, they actually have such a great responsibility. Yeah, Such a great responsibility. And I say this to my girlfriend. I'm like, you know, you, you were born Jewish. You unfortunately don't have the freedom of a lot of the world where they say, ah, well, I'm not really that interested in God. I don't want to really know about him. You need to know him. He has Mm. called you to be his people, you know, and if he's going to be your God and you're going to be his people, a relationship must be there. So you, unlike the world, have to go and pursue Torah. You have Mm. to go and understand the mysteries of God, you know? And so for me as a Christian, you know, uh, I I really didn't have a connection with Judaism until I started meeting and spending time with Jewish people. Mm. After that, going back into, you know, the Torah the Tanakh the Bible the New Testament I was like what are we doing as Christians why are we so separated from the Jewish people yes we we yes we're always going to have this great debate about the identity of Mashiach Mm -hmm. but what I started to to realize is that you know so much of modern day Christian Christianity, it was never supposed to be a new religion in my eyes. It was never supposed to be something where it's like, hey, you know, forget about everything of Judaism, forget about all the principles God presented to the Jewish people and just start a new thing. This is, you know, this is, this is the classic man-made approach of taking, you know, the, the words and messages of Jesus and, and, and rebranding it to, to have their own form of power. You know, and so, you know, Catholicism, which has been, you know, really, really responsible for a lot of anti-Semitism within the Christian, you know, community um, is, you know, at fault for that because they wanted to create their own thing, you know, and, and so I actually am in a constant battle today with within my own Christian community trying to bring people back into understanding Judaism because if you miss Judaism you will never understand Jesus and if you don't understand Jesus you actually get presented a completely new Jesus who is not the Jesus of the Bible because Jesus was a Jew. Jesus spoke from the Torah Jesus was um, you know coming for the lost sheep of Israel. This is everything we read in our New Testament so so a huge part of me and my work now is actually kind of bringing Christians back into an understanding of the beauty and the covenant promises that God made to Israel you know I'm, I'm doing a, a 35 day Bible challenge right now. Every single day I wake up, I read an hour and a half of the Bible. but I'm just reading the Old Testament, the Tanakh. um and i'm I, mm-hmm. I just finished Jeremiah yesterday. Um, and so forgive me if you don't know who I'm talking about because I'm sure you probably know their names in. no,
0: I do in the- I saw his seal at the, uh, the city of. David.
1: yeah, incredible, in right? Yeah, yeah, amazing. you you see these things, and um, and I mean, i'm I'm amazed at, you know, what God is doing with Israel, even, you know, that's, we can talk about that a little bit more too, but you know, I'm, I'm reading through the Torah and, and and the one theme that I see consistently throughout this story is God has an everlasting love for Israel. And it's not based on their faithfulness. It's based on, uh, you know, it's not based on their faithfulness. It's based on his faithfulness. It's his faithfulness. Mm. I have this everlasting love for Israel. And so you just see this love that God has for Israel. So for me as a Christian, you know, the point that I've gotten to in my relationship with God is if if I can't love Israel, if I can't understand God's undeniable commitment to his covenant promise to Israel, I can't be a Christian. Mm. And so, you know, that's why I've kind of, you know, you kind of started to follow me and you've seen all these things because you're like, why? You know, it's amazing when I go to Israel because I'll get stopped in the street more than anywhere in the world. And young Israeli people come to me. Oh my god, I just want to can I get a photo? Can I say thank you? Like you have supported us and and Mm -hmm. and they're shocked. And and so often a lot of the Jewish people think I'm Jewish.
0: They're Mm -hmm. like,
1: you gotta be Jewish because why else would you do this? Why else Mm -hmm. would you go into battle for us on you know on social media to receive so much hate? Like we get it, we get hated. Everyone hates us, they lie about us. But why would you join us in that? Mm -hmm. Like, what is in it for you? And and you know. I try and explain to, you know, people that I meet, well, you know, I'm a Christian and when I read my text, I see that God loves you. He has a love for you that cannot be denied. And if I don't know how to love you, then I don't know how to love my God because I want to be like, him, just like King David. I want to go after God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. And if I love what God loves, then I'm on the right path.
0: No, I think that's wonderful. I think that, you know, you've gotten to a place where a lot of people hope to be, where it's, you know, you've transcended, above doing things just for you. You're doing it for a greater purpose. And I think that's what brings meaning and value and true happiness. So, I mean, it's a journey and you build on it and you keep learning and you keep going, but you know, you're on the right path. And I think that when you're on the right path, you feel it deep in your core. And I think that you emanate that. So I love it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think the other thing is, if if people are watching this and they're like, "How do I know I'm doing right?" and I would say, when it comes to God and it comes to His story, there's no confusion. Mm, so true. So, so if there's any confusion in what you're doing is right or wrong, chances are it's probably not right because when you know something deep down in your core is right, it's just simple. And there's, and there's there's absolutely no confusion. There's no deviation. You're like, well, this, it just, it always feels right. It always seems right. And, you know, and so, you know, I, I think for a young generation of people, what they're lacking is, what is the motivation? How do I streamline myself to be separated from the world and not fall into the trap of what everyone else is doing? And that's why the simplicity, simplicity of God is so profound if it's all about God if it's all about his glory if it's all about pursuing his kingdom his righteousness you know his ways his laws everything is streamlined it's simple I don't have to get there's no guessing. you
0: know what, I, what my rabbi said is you know all these prayers when you wake up you say and you you know you say yeah. a prayer for that when you eat a food you say a prayer for that at night before you go to bed there's a prayer for that yeah. he's saying these are columns that are constants yeah. in a chaotic world so yes. you're taking chaos around you and you're putting structure, these columns throughout your day yeah. that bring organization and peace to chaos. So yeah. I think that's kind of what you're saying.
1: Yeah. So like first page of the Bible, right? Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void. Um, and the spirit of God was hovering, hovering over the abyss, right? Over the waters. There was chaos. It was disaster right? That man could not live in this environment. Plants could not survive. No, no, no living thing could actually have a habitat that w- what was previous what was starting off. And so day by day, God brings order. And mm. so, you know, the Genesis story is not like a scientific book of like, oh, it took God six days to create the earth. And then he had to rest on the seventh. He didn't need to do any of that. The, the whole point of what God is presenting is I am the God that brings order. And I have a process to everything I do. Day one, I do this. Day two, I do this. Day three, I do this. Day four, I do this. Does God need to rest? No. Did God Could have God created everything in a click of a finger? Absolutely. He's God. But he's doing something for us to understand who Manic. he is. Because when we understand who he is, then we can go, oh, now I can live out my true purpose. Genesis 126, you know, let us create man in our image. I'm an image bearer of God. Manic. And so... You know, people, I always find it interesting when you meet people, they go, oh, I've just got to work out who I am. You know, I've got to, like, you know, I've got to unplug yeah. and and, yeah. and look, in, look inside, you know? And so you know, the Torah is pretty clear about this. There's nothing on the inside. If you want to know who you are, know who you've been been created in the image of, because that's what's actually going to give you the meaning and the purpose and the understanding, you know, which is the beautiful thing about, you know, Christian Judeo beliefs. The the very principle of human rights comes from the first page of the Bible, that we are intrinsically valuable because we've been created in the image of God. Mm. And so when you take that away, there's no value to anything. But when you have that as your system, I am valuable because I'm created the image of God. Thus, if I understand my creator, I'll actually understand who I am. So when when people say to me, someone's calling, uh, when people say to me, um, you know, I need to find myself, I say to them, go and find out who God is, because that's ultimately where you're gonna find who you are. Sorry. It's gonna stop in a second. my my mom's gonna pick up my phone
0: I mean this was awesome I feel like I just had a you know spiritual session so thank you so much for coming on letting us uh, learn about you and your journey and gaining inspiration from you know your path and sort of where you are um, in life currently and I can't wait to see where you're headed next
1: yeah thank you so much for having me and uh, yeah uh, if anyone wants to go on a tour to Israel, I might just do one plug. I have um, uh, I have a tour coming up in Israel. It's going to be my last tour for a little while from the 1st to the 8th of April, uh, 2023. So if you want to come and discover the land, if you want to see all the places where, you know, Jesus was, where the Old Testament figures were, I'm going to take people through an eight-day trip and uh, teach the Bible for eight days. So if anyone wants to do that, uh, visit palmsundaysco.com.
0: Amazing. I'm sure it's an, an outstanding experience. It's
1: going to be good. It's going to be fun. I love it love it.
0: Thank you so much, Nate. That was great. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to my show and rate it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else that you're listening. And make sure you follow me on social media. See you next time.